can you sing Soft Kitty? What? My mom used to sing it to me when I was sick. I'm sorry, honey, I don't know it. I'll teach you. <laughs> soft kitty, warm kitty, little ball of fur. Happy kitty, sleepy kitty, purr, purr, purr. <laughs> now you... I'll, I'll do it. Okay. Do you know what are you gonna say? Um, I'm going to say, <laughs> "Welcome to Say What You Mean podcast." So boring. Come on, a little more lively than that. Okay. Three, <laughs> two, one. Hello. Welcome to Say What You Mean podcast. I'm Jake, and this is episode <laughs> twenty-three. Yeah, and I'm Jeff, and this is episode twenty-three. We don't have a title for it yet because we come up with that later. Jeff, uh, Jeff has entrusted me with the duties of the intro. Yeah, I'm sick today. I probably bungled it. It's all good. I'll keep it. <laughs> all right. I'll allow it. <laughs> um, so yeah, like I said, I'm sick. Um, you have some things that you want to talk about. I have some things I want to talk about. Um, I'm bummed I'm sick because I, I don't. I I have a lot that I want to talk about that I want to yeah. give justice to. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm because I'm sick and just meh. I I want to make sure that I give everything justice. Sure. So. Hopefully I don't think I do. there. I mean, it's it's weird that we have stuff to talk about. Nothing really happened this week, right? Oh no, not at all. <laughs> nothing, Gosh. nothing, nothing happened at all to talk about this yeah. week. Yeah, um, is it Thursday today? It is Thursday. Oh wow! So we are recording. So this will be released within the next couple <laughs> A few hours. hours. Yeah. Um, one thing, just randomly off topic, that I was thinking about. Um, because everybody posts online, and it's you know everybody makes a big deal or not a big deal about it, but. Do you have rules when for you and maybe you and Kylie, like when Christmas starts or when you can officially like let go like of everything and jump into Christmas? Yeah. No. Okay. Because since Kylie and I have been living together, I have been in school. Right. So as you know, with I don't know if you were able to jungle Chris juggle Christmas better than I was. Right. Because I would always wait so long to get my finals done or anything right. else done. Yeah, yeah. By the time finals were over, it was like three or four days before Christmas. Yeah, yeah. So I would have just a, like Christmas really wouldn't start right until right before right. right like until my finals were done. I couldn't really stop and enjoy it. Like yeah. the tree would be up right probably the week after Thanksgiving. Uh-huh. Um, but that that's kind of like yeah. I was never really in a Christmas mood. Yeah. But for me, it's like it's Christmas always kind of starts for me when I start playing pentatonics. Uh, yeah. Pentatonics Christmas yeah. music. Okay, so. But is there like a time like you like I won't do it after this point or I will do it? I or don't you, have any hard. And are fast you jamming rule. it now? Well, I would I would love to, but I kind of feel the social pressure that you can't do anything until after okay. Thanksgiving. Okay, so um, you're asking about as far as my Christmas experience. Like, um, I don't really get to. I haven't really got to celebrate Christmas for the last five years because I work a shift where. It sucks so bad. I get Christmas Eve off and mm-hmm. Christmas Day, and I've always had that. But then because of the shipping industry and the trucking industry, I have to go in at midnight on Christmas Day, technically. Oh, So no. the 26th, technically. Yeah. It sucks. That's terrible. So 
juggling school and work and having that kind of rush Christmas, it's mm-hmm. just never really. It honestly, these graveyard shifts have ruined so many holidays. I hate the Fourth of July because everyone's loud as hell and I can't sleep. Yeah. Sorry, Independence Day. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, and like I, I don't know, even Halloween, I had to go to bed and get a quick nap in before I had to go to work. So, yeah. thanks. Thankfully, like Thanksgiving. I get like Thursday, Friday, Saturday off, and then okay. Sunday night I get. So you still get you get Friday off, right? Okay. So that's that why that's why Sunday or Thanksgiving still my like I love that holiday mm-hmm. still. So that's the one I'm still hanging on to. What were you gonna say? Oh, I was gonna say that makes sense because you have Fridays off with your with your schedule. Well, you, you normally have Friday nights well, like, off. Yeah, yeah, Friday so nights. So when you would get Thursday off, you won't have to worry about going in Friday night. Right, but or Thursday. So uh, technically, I get off Wednesday morning. Oh, and okay. then I won't have to go on Thursday or Friday. Okay. So it's like a it's a longer little break that nice. I get, which is really nice. nice, nice. Um, which I'm going to take this opportunity now that we're talking about this just briefly just to mention that you and I are kind of planning a Christmas episode. Yes, we are. It's going to be a little special. We'll probably get into more like it probably be a little less political, a little less current events and more. Just stories about Christmas. Um, I have some game ideas. Um, we have guests coming, and and this is kind of your party, Jake, that you're going to throw. Yeah. So I've been, in, I've um, like our intro. I'm being entrusted with setting up all of the guests. Yes. So if you get text messages from me, um, and I'm trying to ask you to come be a guest, please come. <laughs> um, usually, everything I try to set up ends up blowing ends up blowing up. So right. Um, but it's Christmas. It'll be great. So come through for me, listeners of Say What You Mean podcast. <laughs> All right. So the the first thing on my list, because we always start with me because I'm the boss. Um, <laughs> just kidding. <laughs> well, you are pretty much the boss. Am I? You demand. Oh, I'm the man. Okay. So I have to talk about last Friday morning. Okay. You, you know what I'm bringing, talking about? Last Friday morning. No, I'm drawing a blank. Hater. So last Friday, um, when I got off work, I had a haircut at like 11. Oh. <laughs> yeah. And then, Sorry. Uh, I, I hunted. The, I I hunted this morning. I haven't been to. I haven't been to bed. Yeah. So it's been. It's been early. So morning. I text Jake and I'm like, dude, are you going down to the fort today? Are you going to go raid? Because I'll get off around. I'll get out of my haircut around 11, 11:30, and I'll just drive over and join you. Um. So he said yes, and. You know, Jake is. You've shared a little bit about your raids, mm-hmm. and I've I've never experienced a raid. I've always like gone to a gym and kind of battled myself. You you would have no idea what to expect until you go down to Fort Vancouver, right? Decided to like meet for a raid. Yeah, even, it's crazy. Even you telling me about it, experiencing it was way different. Mm-hmm. So you're talking about sitting there waiting for a raid to start, and it kind of everybody lurking out of nowhere to join the raid. It's literally. People lurking out of nowhere, like kind of people like hesitant to like join you because mm-hmm. they're like, are you here? Are you here? It's like a silent like yeah. conversation that, n- you know, no- nobody's talking to each other, but we're all looking at each other like you here. Yeah, you here. Yeah, you here. Kind of looking at if they have their phone up. Right. And, like with their thumb on the screen. Right. Like catching Pokemon. Right. Like, OK, he's playing Pokemon. He's probably yeah. here for the raid. Yeah. Yeah. Well, are they texting? What are they doing? Are they playing Pokemon? And then you have to watch their movements. You're like, OK. I think she's playing Pokemon. She's probably here for the raid. It's freaking weird. So we go to this raid spot and we're the only we're the only ones there for like fifteen yeah. minutes. Up until like three minutes before the raid, and yeah. all of a sudden people just come out of woodworks. So out this, of the woodwork. This guy shows up and he's like, uh, you guys here for the raid? 
And we're like, yeah, you know, we're here for the raid. And you had tried to beat that raid like six times prior yeah, to I catch that Pokemon. Yep. It was tough. And you said that to the guy and he's like, oh, this is my first time here at this raid. And you're like, you'll probably catch it. And he's like, well, if I do, I won't say anything. And so 11 people show up in the in the room and we're all battling in this raid. Well, we had that one woman who had yes. two phones yes. with so like multiple charger cards coming out of her backpack. She yes. had portable chargers. She was catching shit. And we're like, at first, we only had like four people. I'm like, well, I heard you can do it with four. Like, they're asking, yeah. asking like, oh, what level are you? What level are yes. you? And I'm like, I'm 30, 31. Jeff's I was like, like I'm 28, 28 or something. And the guy's like, well, okay, well, I'm 34. And this guy's, you know, 30, 39. We're like, okay, well, what are you? And she goes, 40 and 40 and we're like oh shit she's gonna yeah. carry she's gonna carry us this lady was hardcore pokemon yeah so and then like more people started showing up and more people had like battery packs from their backpack charging their phone or multiple phones people and, go hard man yeah i did not realize that there was this old couple like a super old couple who were walking catching pokemon i talked to them later and mm-hmm. they were hilarious but so we go we go through the raid and we we beat it and we're going to the point where we're actually trying to catch the Pokemon and um, I don't because I'm a noob but you you know you're going through it and you get down to your last two balls and that guy who said it was his first time he just goes well uh, good luck everyone and you're like oh okay obviously you caught it. <laughs> He's like, I wasn't going to say anything. Yeah. It's like, well, no, you did say something that exactly. alluded to you catching it. Douche. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It was so douchey. But anyways, I just, that was a great experience. If and I, like, If I had missed it, I would have been pissed, especially because of that guy. Yeah, for but sure. I ended up getting it. It was my sixth attempt on this. Yeah. I had been at the fort every day that week mm-hmm. doing doing a raid mm-hmm. on my walk, on my daily walk with Tuck. Yeah. And I finally got it that day. Thank yeah, God. So that I was so go, funny. I didn't have to go back down there to try to get it again. One thing I thought about later is I have a work phone and I have Pokemon Go on it just mm-hmm. as a backup. So when I met you, I only had like 20% battery. So I had to go after it died. Um, but if I had my work phone, we could have stayed and played and I could have gone to the dog park and we could have mm-hmm. played there. So in the future, I got I got extra plans. Sounds good. <laughs> <laughs> um, so... This next thing, I'm going to shift gears here and get a little little serious, a little okay. more serious. Um, I had told you that I went to a Syrian refugee dinner. Yes, you did yeah. tell me about that. I, I, uh, we haven't had an opportunity to talk about it. Yeah, so. I wanted to share it with you here. Um, so it was so interesting, dude. So um, my sister-in-law, Anna, she her parents, um, her dad used to be a pastor at, um, what is that church? That huge one. Living Hope? No, crap. Crossroads? Yes. Okay. Yes, so he used to be a pastor there, and he's retired now, um, but he's got, you know, connections through different people, mm-hmm. and, and meet. And so he met these refugees who came to the United States, and he's kind of been, like, their dude, just helping them, getting them hooked up. So they put this dinner on. Are they, like, Coptic Christians, or are they... Who? The Syrians. They're Muslim. Oh, they are Muslim. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So um, they, they kind of put on this dinner... Um, Anna and her parents put on this dinner to invite friends and family just to come and hear their story, but also to eat uh, Middle Eastern food prepared by them. Oh. Um, but also like to kind of help them out. So we all like had a, like a little donation bin to mm-hmm. help them out and get them started. But uh, after we ate dinner and kind of met each other, everybody, it was like 30 plus people, oh, 30 wow. people in wow. their house. It was pretty cool. Um, 
great food. I love Middle Eastern food. I know you don't. <laughs> You're a little picky <laughs> about your food, but I'm very picky. The food was so good. I was so into it. Um, but I wanted to share their story with you a little bit. Okay. Um, and kind of just we'll just kind of pick off each other and see what you see how you sure. feel about certain things. Yeah. Um, there's some really interesting things that I think other people need to hear that that's why I wanted to share on the podcast. Mm-hmm. Um, but oh man, I don't even know where to start. Oh, okay, I remember what I was going to say. So you and I have been talking a lot about um, migration and immigration into the United States. Yeah, that's something we've been um, covering a lot. And we have an announcement at the end mm-hmm. of the show that yes. we'll get to. Um, but so to go to this, we've we we mentioned we've mentioned refugees maybe a little bit. Yeah. Um, in in just our conversations and other mediums, but to go to this and hear the story from the refugees. And uh, Anna's dad did like a whole history and whole breakdown of the process of being a refugee and coming to the United States. Okay. Which I really appreciated because, you know, you and I have talked about just different processes and how it takes what it takes to get into somewhere and and just how difficult that can be. Um, So so to start with that, I thought was really great. But then to hear this individual story was. Whoo, it was interesting. So, um. How old was th- was the couple? So I'm not sure how old his wife was, but he was 30. Okay. Yeah. So relatively uh, young. Yes. Okay. So um, I'll start by saying I'm going to try to remember the story as much as I can. I'm not going to do it justice because it's not me, but I feel like I should share what I can. Mm-hmm. Okay. So um, the Syrian War. Civil War started. Okay. And so he was in in Syria. He said he was a plumber with his father's business. Um, He lived with his his parents, Mm -hmm. him and his wife um, lived with his parents. And that's just how the family was constructed. You know, we're at in Syria. I don't remember. He said, but I don't remember. Sure. Little things like that. I'm just, you know, it's hard when you're hearing that just to like, you know what I mean? It's just I was like, I want to give this guy a podcast because it was so it was just interesting. Um, So. He he starts talking about how the youth start uprising and kind of demanding for democracy and to overthrow. They're in the Arab Spring. Yes. Yeah, 2011. Yes. But he's talking this for him. The 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 climax was 2012. Okay. So he lives in a five bedroom house with a pool. It's pretty well off. Yes. As far as. Yes. Um, And so. He starts talking about kind of the tensions between the government and the people and how he, um, I guess, I didn't hear this part, but Jen was told this later. The soldiers would like go into schools and like rip children's fingernails off, like to send a message of fear to the parents, but also to the children. Hmm. Yeah. Wow. Um, so he, you know, he said that he was not involved in the uprising and, 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 the freedom fighters, if you will. Yeah. Um, he was just trying to stay, you know, just do his job as a, as a plumber. Um, Mm -hmm. so he said, he told one story where he was, um, kind of what just was like, this is enough for me and my, I got to get my family out of here. He was working on a job as a plumber and, uh, he had like a crew there and they, he was talking about, you know, how they build their houses with concrete instead of wood, like they do here in the U S. And so they're, they got this like concrete building that they're building and they're kind of, they're getting the plumbing all set up and, 
um, a bunch of shoulder soldiers <laughs> soldiers show up and they're like, uh, where's the gun? And he's like, we don't have a gun. And they're like, where's the gun? You have a gun. And he's like, I don't have a gun. And he had he said he had some like pipe cutters in his hand. Mm-hmm. And they're like, he's got a gun. And they shot him all. So he got shot in the leg five times. Um, and the two guys he was with died. Oh, my God. So he they thought he was dead. So he laid there, and they took their guns and laid them down next to the bodies, and then took a video camera and like was talking over the film, like, see, this is what the uprising has come to. These people have guns. They're trying to kill the government, and they were using it yeah. to film propaganda. Oh, my God. Yeah. So he was like, and when they left, he was like wounded. He's got five gunshots in his leg. He's like, I got to get my family out of here. So I'm not sure the exact timeline, but at some point he leaves Syria. I'm sh- I'm assuming he gets his leg fixed up enough to leave and they go to Jordan. Okay. And so they become refugees in Jordan. And he said at first when they were there, um, the Jordanian government was super welcoming to them, mm-hmm. wanted them in um, because they, they were getting work permits and they were able to work. And so he started... He started getting surgeries there and was plumbing there, doing plumber work. Sure. So um, one thing I thought he that he said was interesting, you know, you just see the parallels with immigrants in the United States just and and kind of the the animosity towards immigrants taking our jobs mm-hmm. just through his story of going to Jordan. So he's talking about when he came in as a plumber, you know, for him. For him being a plumber and be, and have finding safety in, in Jordan. He's going to work his tail off because that's what's keeping him protected. Yeah. Um, and he was saying that the Syrian government was looking for him because he had left and they thought he, they had killed him. So he's going to stay in Jordan. He's going to work his tail off as a good plumber so that he can maintain his status and safety in Jordan. So he said that he always worked extra hard as at his work um, doing his plumbing job. So... Um, because so he was, there was like, he was highly coveted as a plumber. People wanted to keep hiring him because he was always working so hard. Um, and in the meantime, he was also saying that like he would go and get a surgery on his leg and then he'd, but he'd have to space it out so that he could still work and maintain like getting money for his family and food. So he would go and work for a little while, then have a surgery and then take like two months off recovery, then go back to work and earn more money and then try to get another surgery and just the cycle of like surgery and work. Um, so then, um, I believe he, I think I'm, I don't remember the exact order of his children. So I'm going to, but I know the cases of his children. So I'm going to get into what I do know. Okay. So, his wife is pregnant in Jordan and um, she gives birth to their son and the doctors don't know what's wrong with him. They're like, it's either his heart or his brain. We can't tell what's going on. So there's, there's an issue. There's problems. So he's like, okay, like whatever it takes, like I'll do it. So he, <laughs> I'm pretty sure he said 50,000 American, but Jen says it was 30. I'm pretty sure it was 30 though, but we'll see. Okay. Uh, it's somewhere in between there. A lot of money. Tens of thousands of yep. dollars to figure out what was wrong with his son. So um, he's dumping money into the doctors. trying just please. Was this his firstborn? I, see, that's what I don't remember. Okay. So I know he has a daughter now. So an, an older daughter. Gotcha. She's like maybe nine, ten. Mm-hmm. Um, and she has alopecia. So I don't know if she was born first okay. or not. So, um, but the son 
had medical conditions and there's something wrong with him. So, um, for three months he was in the hospital with a baby trying to figure out what was wrong. He dumped tens of thousands of dollars. And then one day the doctor's just like, your son died. We lost your son. And he said, I've given you tens of thousands of dollars. How did he die? And the doctor's like, I don't know. And he's like, you don't know. And he punched the doctor, (laughs) just clocked him. And then, so then he got arrested. And then when he got arrested and he was in the police station, they're like, what happened? And he's like, dude, I've given this guy tens of thousands of dollars and my son dies. And he tells me, I don't know what happened. And then, the captain was like, I would have killed him. He's like, he's lucky you only punched him. And he's like, yeah. And he's like, you can go. So he let him go. And during this whole time in Jordan, he's, I believe he's initiated the process into interviewing to come into the United States. Mm-hmm. Um, and him talking about those interviews, it was really interesting. Just saying that, you know, they'll ask you a lot of times, um, have you ever had a gun? And like, do you have interest in owning guns? And you have to like, he knows like you just say no. They'll separate his wife from him and ask her a bunch of questions. And they're asking him like every few months, like it's a constant interview process. And a lot of times he said uh, the, the interview questions were the same just to make sure they were getting tested for like diseases and just health wise making sure this is going through the consulate. And yeah. Like, okay. So, um, Ultimately, he does get to come to the United States. And this is where I think it's really interesting. Um, And I think that this is a part of, you know, that that a lot of people don't think about. This is that empathy you and I always talk about. Mm -hmm. Hearing what these people have to go through when they come here. You know, a lot of time it's just like, oh, welcome to the United States. You're all good now. It's like there's a lot to start from. I mean, from leaving a five bedroom house with a pool and having your own business with your dad to living in like a tiny ass two bedroom apartment in Arizona where you don't speak the language of the people. So the, um, I don't know the individual who was helping them through mm-hmm. the government. I don't know who, what you would call that position, but, um, she's like, all right. So a lot of, um, we, we put a lot of refugees, Syrian refugees that we do have in a job at the airport, um, with the car rentals. This is the person at the state department. Yeah. Okay. It'd be a consular. Okay. So they're like, um, do you, do you want that job? And he's like, no. And she's like, are you kidding me? Like you're the first refugee to tell me no, that you don't want that job. And he's like, listen, if I'm going to live in the United States, I don't want a job with a bunch of Arabs speaking Arabic. I want to come into the United States and learn how to speak English. Mm-hmm. which I thought was awesome. Yeah. So she's like, okay, cool. So let me see what I can do. So they did get placed in Arizona. Um, he got a job at the talking stick casino, washing dishes. And he was just talking about like, you know, just the depression that him and his wife went through, just constantly crying. She didn't want to leave the house when they first got there. She didn't want to leave the house. They didn't want to leave the house for like, Oh, the first few weeks because, um, you know, they don't have they don't have any ID. They don't have anything yet. So yeah. what if something happens? What if they get arrested? What if you know what I mean? They don't know the law of the land. Like mm-hmm. there's just so much that they're stressing. He said that when he was washing dishes, he would just like go to the bathroom and cry. And then he was doing it so much that his supervisor was like, hey, what's going on? And he's like, oh, nothing, nothing. I'm fine. And then they, they found him another job doing like um, more technical stuff with like CenturyLink and stuff. Okay. Yeah, which was cool. Um. But I mean, just there's some little stories of just like his um, his wife or, you know, they were talking about like wanting to cook at home. So they wanted to go to the grocery store. So he goes to the grocery store and he said he would spend hours at the grocery store because he couldn't read anything. So he like one example he used was he was looking for flour 
but he can't find flour because mm-hmm. he doesn't know how to read flour. So he kind of found bags that look like flour, th- which could be sugar, could be all <laughs> kinds of things. Yeah. And he said he would kind of like open the bag and like pour a little in his hand and taste it because he didn't know. Oh my gosh. Yeah. That's in- incredible. <laughs> so his wife gets pregnant again. And um, it's a daughter this time and she's born and she's got health issues and she's got, you know, he's like, these are the same issues that I had with my son in Jordan. It, you know, he's thinking the heart or the head. And they were like, um, they told him exactly what it was. I don't remember what it was. It was mm-hmm. something genetic. Um, but within a few hours of him being born, they knew exactly what was wrong. And he's like, you know, in, in the United States, they knew immediately and they could tell me what the problem was with my son and they never met him. They just knew that like, Hey, is this what your son had? Okay. This is what it is. He's like, I spent tens of thousands of dollars in Jordan just to be told. I don't know. And in the United States, like the medical system, like the, the medical knowledge, they were just like, boom, this is what it is. He was pretty, pretty psyched on that. But that baby died. The daughter. Oh Seriously? Yeah. Wow. So, so he has one living kid. Two. Two. He has okay. another little daughter now. Both girls are so adorable, dude. They were so fun to watch play. They were like, the, there was other kids there, and they were like playing with their hair. And the youngest was like, she looked like a little hairstylist, like here, okay, now hold this, and like clipping the other girls. <laughs> it was adorable. That's awesome. Um, but so they lived, I think, for two years or a few years in in um Phoenix. Okay, Fe- I think Phoenix, Phoenix, I think. Somewhere Arizona, Arizona. Yeah. Um, but because his daughter had alopecia, the weather, the 125 degrees was not good for her. Um, so they were looking for a climate change. So, dude, it's so insane. He just started Googling like different places that were greener and wetter. Um, and he looked at Seattle, uh, but all of his other refugee friends around the world were like, it's pretty expensive up there. And he's like, all right, well, they're like, look at Vancouver. So he looks at Vancouver, Canada, and then he looks at Vancouver, Washington, and he found Vancouver, Washington. And he's like, I think this is a nice little city. I think I think I want to move there. So he gets on Facebook and an- adds a random dude who says he lives in Vancouver, Washington. and was just like hey dude i'm a syrian refugee in uh his english is obviously getting Mm -hmm. better after a few years i'm a syrian refugee living in uh arizona and i need to move to washington um is there is there anyone you can connect me with and the dude like such a like insane like he could have contacted anybody you know (laughs) right but this guy hooked him up with a church who like helps out refugees and they they brought him up to vancouver and they helped him move and he spent 26 hours driving from arizona up to vancouver washington and now he lives up here with his family that's insane yeah so they're him and his wife are both going to clark taking english classes okay to learn english a little better um it's just crazy, dude. I can't even imagine, you know, and that's one thing that that kept getting brought up was like, and you had mentioned this, you know, thank God we have a peaceful overthrow mm-hmm. of our government right now. Yeah. And you said, you know, I think it was during the Halloween episode, mm-hmm. you know, God forbid we ever have to to need help from somebody else. Yeah. And to hear that like days after that, somebody who needed that. Oh, my gosh, dude. I couldn't even imagine yeah, I mean, think about like you know in Syria what what the bloodshed that was caused just to try to get 
some semblance of a democratic government. Right, right. We take for such granted that we can every two years go to the polls and collectively overthrow our government. And right. those people accept the people in power, accept that transfer yeah. of power. Yeah. And it, it's, oh man, just hearing that story, just, it, it brings chills just because we, we are so fortunate right. in this country. And I right. think once you, when you start hearing these kind of stories and mm-hmm. you, and I mean, and how incredibly lucky, because that's, just him alone, like the percentage of like him being able to get out of right. Syria, right, into the United States, yeah, is, is insane. Like he's, inc- I mean, he's, inc- I mean, it's crazy what he's gone through, and you and you feel for him, but you're also like, man, how many people didn't exactly get out or died in floating rafts trying to get to Europe just yeah, to be turned, just to be turned away, at, right. you know, and. My goodness. So, yeah. so one one more thing that I, I I really just I've been I've been thinking it's just been on my mind, and I'm almost struggling a little bit to process this. I mean, I think it's so interesting. My little liberal snowflake mind is struggling with this <laughs> one, and I, I wanted to get your opinion or your thoughts on okay. it. Okay. So, you know, our, our snowflakes, our us liberal snowflakes, are always looking and or always requesting the government to do more for these people like socially like Mm -hmm. we need more social programs let's help refugees let's help immigrants let's help our citizens like let's in the argument and the argument behind that is is that when you create social programs it creates enfranchisement and people want people who are generally who would be otherwise marginalized by economic or other social conditions um then are more part then participate more in your society so yeah, you're, you're yeah. getting you're getting not only are you getting economic benefit of them being in like more of a middle class yeah you get you get the political and social benefit of them being participation participants in your society you're setting it up jake you're perfect <laughs> perfect so that's you know kind of always how i've i i i, I adhere to that i i like the idea of that yeah. Yeah. so this individual tells me he goes you know i have i have friends syrian refugees um, refugees from the Middle East who found um, homes and 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 places to live in Australia, mm-hmm. um, Finland, a bunch of European countries, Canada. Yeah, and he was like, "Do you want to know why the you know United States is so great?" And he he kind of started the story with that, and he's like, "I'm gonna get tell you at the end of the story why the United States is so great." I was like, oh, okay. I can't wait to hear what his yeah. you know after all of this, what is the one thing why you think it's so great. He talks about his friends and family who are refugees in other countries. And mm-hmm. he's like, in those countries, they have social programs where the government really takes care of them, really sets them up and really helps them out getting life started in that country. And he said, that's great. In the United States, not so much. We didn't get very much help. We had a ticket that was paid for by the government to fly here. Mm-hmm. We have to pay them back for it. Um, they did get some food aid. It was $600 a month, but that was cut in half once he got a job. He was forced to get a job after 90 days. So it was a little more like, okay, we got you here. Let's hurry up and get you going. Mm-hmm. Little less aid from the government, which I knew, obviously. You know, I've always assumed that. And I've always known that. But what he said he found salvation and comfort in was the people of the United States. He said, I came here, and yeah, the government didn't help me out, but the people did. I was quick to make friends. People were always willing to help me. They were always willing to give me money for my family to help us get started, to buy furniture. They were Mm -hmm. always willing to be our friends and to help us along. And that's an argument I've heard so many times of like, 
yeah, we don't don't let the government take care of the people. We'll take care of the people. And I always thought, really, how many people are really donating to charities to help other people? And here you have a Syrian refugee who's talking about his experience and saying, yeah, the government didn't help me out, but the people like have been so incredible and mm-hmm. so willing and open to help me. Yeah. Boom. Blew my mind, dude. Yeah. I, I that's obviously that's one anecdote. Right. Oh and, yeah, yeah, yeah. And you from a lot of conservatives I hear that don't let don't make the I don't want the government to tell me how to give. For sure. I I will I'll give on my right. I'll give on my own. Yeah, I've heard that. And I I mean I I guess it's it's really it's a case by case basis. Mm-hmm. I think there are people who who you would probably ask other refugees who haven't been yeah who, accepted who or yeah ostracized yes. in in their communities that yes, they're around. But absolutely, you do see um, massive there are there are huge immigrant popula- you know refugee populations mm-hmm. that formed in min- in uh, like Minnesota mm-hmm. from uh, dissonance after Vietnam, mm-hmm. where we a lot of the the South Vietnamese that helped the United States during the Vietnam War right, right. were relocated and, and formed kind of ethnic enclaves in right. Minnesota. So I don't know where I'm going with this. It's just, it, it's, it's interesting. I mean, right. that, that's just a fundamental debate. And right. I think you, you can look at this case and, and you can say, yeah, that that's a case right. of, right. you know, why do we need these social, we're wasting all this money on social programs mm-hmm. when really, you know, the people will take care of it. But right. can you, I guess the question is, is can you, can you trust that on the on a broad scale of mm-hmm. 300 million people mm-hmm. in a nation if you're you can't, I mean I guess everybody's going to follow through right. you're going to have people fall through the cracks no matter what right but can I mean I don't know it, Donald it Trump's president so can I trust them me <laughs> <laughs> no I mean but in all seriousness I'm not saying I'm not an advocate for social programs or I'm yeah. not saying that this is the case for everybody mm-hmm. I just thought it was it was the first time actually hearing from someone who had lived that experience that, like, you know, just that that point of view. Sure. The, the government wasn't helping him, but the people were. Mm-hmm. And you could just tell, like, him just being thankful. You know, he even said something. So we're in a house full of Christians and churchgoers here for to support a, a muslim family and he acknowledged that he's like you know like i'm he said something about you know muslims are not hateful we're not hateful people we 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 accept that you you celebrate jesus christ and we're, we're not we don't you know we're not against you thinking that or feeling that like he was just so i don't know just so open to just an acceptance of religion you know what i mean for sure just like it should be there's no extremism between anybody in that room everybody's just accepting each other as people and there's empathy there mm-hmm. sympathy and empathy yeah you know what i mean Definitely. i don't know it was an amazing experience um they seem like great people and we uh we're gonna keep in touch with them jen and i so i just wanted to share that with you i thought it was cool. an interesting little yeah, anecdote and story no, that's, that's great <sighs> what do you got I want to know real quick. I feel kind of good right now. I sound sick, but I feel good. That's good. So sometimes, it's, sometimes it's always getting the podcast. Out and getting active kind of uh, <laughs> podcast always makes me feel pretty good. Yeah. So what do you got, homie? Well, I mean, because we can talk about the election that happened. Oh, we, that did happen. Um, yeah. What are your thoughts? 
um well i mean it happened the great thing about united states elections yeah. is that it happens on all three levels of our government right you have fundamental you could have the potential of fundamental change at the local state mm-hmm. and federal level and i don't think you'd find a single person who would be completely happy with everything that happened on election right. night because there's so much happening right. right so you could say you know as a republican you can look at uh the senate map and be like hey we picked up seats we mm-hmm. the mm-hmm. republicans expanded um their their control of the senate right then you're but then you look okay well the democrats took control of the house Mm -hmm. and then you can look locally at the state of washington and be like well i'm happy that 1631 or i mean you could feel one way about 1631 (laughs) but then feel completely different about 1639 passing and 1639 1631 failing right because you would think that if i don't know i Climate change and gun control aren't necessarily then obviously not synonym they're not synonymous topics right. but you would think that if one person is voting for climate change I think in minds you you automatically assume that they're probably those people are also probably for gun control that's exactly and, what I was thinking yeah and it didn't work out that way 1631 no. failed by a wide margin yeah and 1639 passed by a wide margin yeah so it's very it was a very interesting. Um, very interesting election. Yeah. We can get into um, more on what this could mean nationally in terms of the just the national political stage. Mm-hmm. But um, anywhere you want to start? Uh, I just want to mention just the shift in the in the in the the winning of women in the Senate. So now the the the, the Democrat majority in the House has majority women. Yeah. That's I think crazy. that's awesome. Mm-hmm. I think that's great. You I had, think that should be. Yeah, the first Native Americans whole, uh, winning election, two women, in yeah. both women, and then um, there was the first refugee ever. Oh wow! To win, um, to win an election, and is now a U.S. representative right. from Minnesota. She's Somalian. Yeah. So pretty cool. There's yeah, a lot of uh, neat stories yes. coming out of this election. More diversity, and I appreciate that. Mm-hmm. I like that. Um, that's all I have really. One one thing I did want to ask you to clarify for our listeners, because I saw you getting into it on your Facebook crusades, um, is, is this conversation of, and, and there's articles being written about like, okay, so the Democrats won the house. Why didn't they win the Senate? And you're like, dude, that's just how it works. So if you want to expand and clarify on that. Oh yeah. That's a great topic. Yeah. Yeah, I've it's it's annoying because I I I've seen both uh, Stephen Colbert and uh, Seth Meyers yes. say stuff like yeah. this that the um you know Brett Kavanaugh was nominated by a president who lost the popular vote right. and confirmed by a Senate whose majority represents a smaller portion of of citizens than the Democrat minority, mm-hmm. and that's just how this that's how our bicameral. Uh, legislature mm-hmm. was set up mm-hmm. this at the time of the 13 colonies when right. they were at the constitutional convention mm-hmm. in 1787 1787 mm-hmm. they um the constant the the debate was that well lar- the small states wouldn't sign any sort of agreement mm-hmm. that f- made them always going to be beholden to the larger states right because they just were not going to have the population yeah that the larger states would have yeah well the large states will say well why should a small state mm-hmm. have the same exact amount of representation as we do right when we have 
potentially double, if not triple, their population exactly. size, like New York and Virginia at the time. Right. So the, the House of Representatives, so to reach a compromise, mm-hmm. which is what happened a lot <laughs> in our in our old political discourse, right? As uh, they the the House of Representatives was set up to be proportional representation, right? Um, there can it cannot exceed four hundred and thirty five. Um, they cannot exceed 435 uh, House members, but it's it's based on a state's proportion. Mm-hmm. How many how many how much population that you have is is directly relative to how many delegates that you send. Right. Each state sends. Right. The Senate, on the other hand, is equal representation. Each state gets two. That's it. And that was a compromise to to um to help balance. Uh, population size and make sure that each individual state has equal but also proportional representation within mm-hmm. the bicameral legislature. Mm-hmm. So this talk about well the Senate well dem- the dem- the Senate map disproportionately affects Democrats because they're Democratic states like California and New York have way more people than say Wyoming, mm-hmm. but the Republicans are going to keep winning these ha- these Senate seats in gaining more control in the Senate mm-hmm. and you know, holding a majority in the Senate because they're they're winning these red states that are have a lot less population than large state dem- than large states are so they're saying well this isn't this isn't fair mm-hmm. well it's not not fair that's yeah. just how the system is you're right. just complaining about it now cuz it's not working for right. you that's well, my that's that was my biggest point yeah. like, this is nothing new yeah this has been around since the inception of our country well even in the beginning before this you said this the republicans are not going to lose the senate no, because if you looked at how many, and anybody who was shocked about the Republicans holding the Senate or even gaining seats, you you haven't been paying attention to politics. Right. If if you if you looked at before, but this was a this was basically an away game for Democrats. Mm-hmm. They were playing defense to try to hold on to as many seats in the Senate as right. possible because they were they had twice as many seats up for re-election yes. than yep. Republicans did. Yep. Republicans only had six seats up for re-election, yeah. whereas the Dem- the Democrats had a, I think over twelve, over yeah. a dozen seats. Yeah. So that's you were you're hoping to only have lost what yes. you did. Yeah, there's there were, no way they were going to take control of the Senate. No, no way. Because they not only they had to make up they had to make up two. Right. Well, technically three because um, Pence is the uh, Pence will be the tie-breaking vote. Right. So in order to trump Pence, uh-huh. you have to you have to have um, more than you have to have you'd have to have plus two over the top of the Republicans, right? Because if it's a oh, 50-50 yeah, yeah, split, yeah. the Republicans are going to win every right. single time if they if everybody votes on party lines. Right. So you'd have to have a 51-49 right. um, in order to negate Pence's vote. Yes. So it was an uphill battle just because yeah. of the electoral map of this particular election. Right. And then you can get into the, then you can get into the topic of proportional representation versus equal representation. Yeah. That's yeah. just the way our system's set up. Right. It's not... It. I don't know. To try to say... That this is well, this is all screwed up because it's Republicans. That's super disingenuous. Yeah. Because Democrats throughout the Bush years mm-hmm. and throughout the early years of Obama, they, they rode huge waves in in um, uh, and had uh and had majorities in the Senate right. for for a good what almost twelve years. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So I I don't know. This yeah. is. I just saw it's it. a disingenuous argument. Yeah, I saw people making. I saw Colbert arguing it. and I'm like, okay. It's it that is. <laughs> That's why I get so upset right. with stuff like that. It's, yeah. you're, you are purposely creating a narrative yes. to make people upset. Yeah. Yeah. 
Well, I mean, that's what the world we live in. Yeah. That's what everybody's doing. Mm-hmm. If you're not doing it, you're losing. Which is which is what's really scary for me mm-hmm. because looking at who won and who lost in the Demo- in like as far as Democrats and Republicans. Yeah. The Democrat it's, it it depends on how the new Democratic Party in the House, especially in the in the Democratic leadership, right, or choose to look at how this election played out. Right. Because they lost a lot of, in, like Claire McCaskill, for for instance. Mm-hmm. We'll take her. She was in the incumbent Democrat in Missouri. She lost to a Republican challenger, Howley, mm-hmm. who was highly backed by Trump. That's where Trump spent the last day before the before the election. That's when Hannity came on stage and he brought all of those. He brought in Sarah Huckabee Sanders and Ivanka mm-hmm. Trump, and he was he was really pushing hard for Howley because he knew that was a that was a very important seat in the Senate. Right. Well, that propelled how I mean I don't know if how much Trump's effect had any play on that, but Howley ended up beating Claire McCaskill, who was a two time incumbent. Okay. And so that was a that was a big um, big win for Republicans in the Senate. That was one of the House one of the Senate seats that the Democrats lost. What is that? <laughs> is that your ringtone? No. <laughs> oh, my computer, my laptop is playing. <laughs> Do you remember what you were saying? Um, something about McCas- Claire McCaskill. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so Claire McCaskill was Mute a very that thing. <laughs> Claire McCaskill is a very um. Was is a very uh, uh, moderate Democrat in, right. a, in a in a typically red state, and also the uh, Democratic incumbent in Indiana, who is also a moderate Democrat in a red state. Mm-hmm. Both of them lost their elections to Republican challengers who are very much backed by Trump. Right, and that's scary if the Democratic Party chooses to look at those races, saying mm-hmm. we lost tight reelection bids. Right to trump populace right right but we won seats Mm -hmm. with farther leaning left democrats right so what does that mean how how do they interpret this yeah do they interpret this as okay there are some other like in the house a lot of moderate democrats won in the midwest Mm -hmm. a lot of moderate democrats won in typically blue areas typically red areas right 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 in the house but the senate seats lost the, the moderate senators lost to Dem- to Republican right. Trump right Trump Republicans right so we de- talked it, about that a little it's bit just it depends upon how the Democratic Party chooses to interpret this election and yeah. what how that and how they they choose to what candidates they choose to endorse going forward mm-hmm. in, in 2020 and 2022 yeah. do they start to pivot more left start trying to use populist left wing populist rhetoric right right to galvanize popular um galvanize voters or do you do you stay the course giving disenfranchised republicans like myself Mm -hmm. someone to vote for right who's not comfortable voting and wants right and wants balance in the government right that's why i was as a republican hoping that the democrat the democrats would take the house yeah because i i believe our government is supposed to have balance there shouldn't be a one-party control Mm -hmm. I don't I mean they're not that it shouldn't. Right. Our government is best 
is serving the people best when there's right. a when there is when it forces the two parties to have to compromise. Right. And when you have um, a Supreme Court that's five four to five four conservative, you have a, a Republican executive, and both and both. Uh, both parts of the of the legislature yeah. are controlled by the Republicans. Yeah. I don't th- that you're leaving over fifty five percent of your of your po- of your population yeah. unrepresented. Yes, and I just think that it needed it needs mixture. I like that. That's so, fair. um, that's kind of. I'm just rambling. I'm just kind no, of no, touching no. on a lot of different yeah. stuff that I noticed about this election. I'm wondering a, how many other Republicans feel like that. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Probably not a lot. Yeah. Um, but. I mean, a lot of the a lot of the Republicans, like Max Boot, um, David uh-huh. Fromm, um, some of the guy the guys that get labeled as never Trumpers, which I don't think is f- like a fair title. I think it's right. kind of a negative That's connotation. Weird. It's not that I'm never Trump. I'm just not what Trump stands for. Right. And he he refuses to 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 he he's taken this and has pushed himself even more radical instead of seeing this as might have a mea culpa because he made this. Trump made this election. He even said this election is about me. This is a re- he didn't use the word referendum because I don't think he knows it. But he said this is the- basically this is this midterm is a <laughs> referendum on me. Yeah. And the Republicans lost the House. And not only did they lose the House, they lost they lost the House overwhelmingly. Right. The Democrats netted 35 seats and took a 20 seat. I think it was like a 20 seat. Um, uh, t- took a 20 seat advantage right over republicans which is insane um and but instead of using that as a, almost like a mea culpa moment right he decides to become even more hostile oh to his, yeah to his opponents yeah for sure yeah what else you got <laughs> well um on this at the state level i know we have a lot of listeners who or at least some listeners who were um, very active in the campaign for the Washington Third. Yeah. Uh, between Jamie Herrera Butler, the Republican incumbent, and uh, Carolyn Long, the challenger. Yep. Um, we're not. I don't feel like we need to get into how you and I voted. Right. We can just talk about the election. Um, it was um, not quite as close as I think some thought it was going right. to be. Right. I thought it was going to be closer for sure. Yeah. Um. Looking at the numbers with about, I was the last time I looked at the the voter like the voting breakdown. Yeah. Um, Long only won one of so that's the, the Southwest Washington the the, the the district. Yeah. Um, the district third the third district breakdown. There's eight counties. Yeah. And Long carried only one, yeah. which was Clark, the yeah. population center. Right. Which is typical for Democrats. Right. And Republicans usually win in the rural areas. Right. Um, but she only at the, with about seventy one percent of the vote counted was only leading in Clark County by five thousand votes. Yes, yeah, yeah. that's not going to win you the th- the third right. congressional district in right. Washington, which For is sure. a which by according to Ballotpedia is a plus four Republican leaning district, okay. which means that it votes four points higher on average than the national average oh, wow. for Republicans. Right. So it's a fairly red leaning district. Yeah. So Carolyn Long, I think, ran a very good campaign. Mm-hmm. I think she hit on some very um, good points, very good critiques of yeah. the, of the incumbent. Right. Um, it's she just came up short. Hopefully, she uses this to propel herself because I think she does have a bright future in politics. Yeah, for sure. I think she has a great message. Yeah. So, um, yeah, it, it's uh, it was an interesting, it was a well fought campaign. Yeah. I know there are some people who are disappointed with the outcome, right. but um, yeah. It's one of the Republicans, one of the Republicans to hold their hold their seats exactly. and being challenged. Yeah. So, yeah, 
I I think I start I saw from the beginning like uh, maybe this, this probably isn't gonna flip, which I thought you know, I don't know. Yeah, I just didn't think it was gonna happen for sure. Yeah. Early early on, um, Nash. It's hard, it's hard to tell. Also, living in Clark County. Yeah, because there's you see and hear a lot of long conversation, mm-hmm. but then like you said, what there's nine other counties. Yeah, that are also you know it's it's just being here. You're in this little echo chamber, and you're like, okay, maybe Long isn't doing so bad. Maybe that's why people assumed it was going to be closer. Yeah, I, I think I thought it was going to be closer. Even Kylie and I were sitting there talking. We're like, man, we thought this was going to be closer. And like, because Kylie is like, is Long going to win? Like, yeah. well, I think between her, I mean, between her and I, we were like, we wouldn't be shocked if Long right, won. Right, right. I and wouldn't have either. But yeah. so, uh, and I was going to be fine with the outcome either way it happened. Yeah. yeah. Um, personally because right. I, I i wanted the democrats to take control <laughs> yeah um but i also was like you know i guess i'm giving away how yeah. i voted yeah. a little bit but um <laughs> well I was, okay i voted for long i voted for her but like, <laughs> I knew you um, did. so um sorry dr sinclair um <laughs> the uh just I, I this was a hard one for me and yeah. i waited until the last second to fill out you that told box me you would on that on that and i i uh, reach out to dr sinclair asking her questions about um oh uh, you did um specifically something i didn't find on carolyn longs that right. i found on herrera butler's okay. uh, campaign site which was about salmon population mm-hmm, and restoration mm-hmm. um a huge uh huge part of our economy right huge part of our regional or of our region's heritage mm-hmm. um and especially like personally my job like i work at a fishing and hunting yeah. store yeah and when the fishing runs suck which they do right now yeah our store is dead yeah like our business is terrible right, right. because there, there's nothing to catch the salmon runs are god awful this is like right. the worst coho run i've ever really? seen wow. yeah it, it's it's really bad out there mm-hmm. um so i was i asked i was like what is you know what is carolyn long's mm-hmm. um uh stance on um salmon habitat restoration right. preservation and Dr. Sinclair had a great answer. She said, um, as far as I know, um, from what talking about Carolyn, talking with Dr. Long about this, because doc, uh, Dr. Long was is a professor at WC Vancouver. Yeah, yeah. It was that she, she believes that the salmon, um, that the salmon, uh, the loss of salmon population right. is, is a systemic issue caused by global warming. Okay. Mm, and, um, which I mean, Yeah. Yeah, definitely. But yeah. I think there are other factors. There's definitely other yeah. short short term factors that can yeah. be. I mean, other factors that can be sh- fixed in the short run. Right. A lot easier than we can try to curb global climate change. Yes. Yes. And I think that starts with limitate limiting the sea lion population. Yeah. In the uh, in the Columbia River. Okay. Limiting the Arctic tern population and the cormorant population, which just decimates smolts mm-hmm. and. Um, the, uh, one uh, one st- st- statistic that I read yeah. is that adult um, s- uh, California sea lions in the Columbia River system eat about forty percent of our salmon run Woo. every year. Wow! Which that's unsustainable, especially when you talk about commercial f- the Columbia River being yeah. the only river in the in the United in the continental United States that allows for commercial fishing within its right with within the mouth of the river right so all commercial fishing has to take place outside of uh, outside of rivers right but they allow commercial netting to be in the columbia so you you, yeah. you put that commercial pressure on top of sea lion predation mm-hmm. on top of other um natural predators like right. the arctic tern and the cormorant which actually really aren't that the cormorant's not really that natural they've been here for a long time but they're not natural mm-hmm. um and there's no checks on 
those three predators. Right. I think that Jamie Herrera has sponsored legislation federally to mm-hmm, try mm-hmm. to curb sea lion predation. Yeah, she kept bringing that up. And she I, mentioned for, that a lot. For me, yeah. personally, I felt like with how important this the salmon issue is to our region, mm-hmm. I and it's completely open to be dis. You can <laughs> I completely leave myself open to be disagreed with, and right. I'm sure I will hear about this. And I'm and I'd love to have this conversation, yeah. um, more in depth. Right. But I felt like on this particular issue, I think that because one Carolyn Long didn't even address didn't address it on her. Um, on her campaign site. Right. And just from the short conversation I had with a per- with Dr. Sinclair. Yeah. Um, I felt like weighing the weighing and I felt like Jamie Herr Butler, just because of her were just because of her ability of being the Congress of being a congresswoman right. has done a lot to address this problem. So I felt like that was kind of the tipping point for me. Right. That's interesting. Anyway. Well and one thing that I mean, you and I continuously have said, like, I don't, I don't know if you saw what I posted on. I think you saw what I posted on our Instagram with the whole like mm-hmm. vote now. Like, the internet was just like almost like bullying people into voting, and like, which I, I want people to vote. I want people to participate. Um, but even we voted completely different. But I appreciate that you voted, Jake. <laughs> you know what <laughs> I, I mean? Yeah, I, and I'm not angry. No. However you voted. Right. <laughs> like, there's no reason to be angry. Um, I have something that I have to tell you after the podcast about something re- revolving uh, the passage of 1639. Uh-oh. It, 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 it's getting, it got heated. Okay. Anyway, <laughs> um, not something I want to share. I think I know where you're going. Um, um, one thing I wanted to tell you is, uh, I don't know if you saw my post where I said, if my candidate loses, if my candidates lose, mm-hmm. I hope they do so with record number voting. If my candidates win, I hope, I hope they do so with record number voting. Yeah. And then I said, celebrate your right to participate. Go vote. Well, <laughs> dude, not even like two minutes later, I'm just scrolling through Facebook, and that exact post, word for word, verbatim, is on somebody else's page. And I'm like, what? Like, they just copied what I said and posted it? Mm-hmm. I was like, oh, well, that's kind of cool. And then people in the comments were like, well said, well put, and then nothing. <laughs> so I commented, so wise. And then they commented back, I think I got this from you. You think you got it from me? (laughs) (laughs) Incorrigible. Oh, it was awesome. Anyways, so yeah, I mean, uh, I think we... I'm just glad to see that there were a lot of people who did come out and vote. Yeah, it was massive returns. Early voting, I think three days before the election, early voting had more than doubled the entire... It had more than doubled at that point, right? Than from 2014, right? So I mean, it it was or yeah, 2014 mm-hmm. was the last midterm. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it, great, great voter turnout because you know democracy dies with with apathetic right. citizens. I feel like I could be less pissed off about the outcomes the more people vote. It's like, well, I mean, I guess that's what the people wanted. Yeah, I mean, not I might not be happy with some of the outcomes, but mm-hmm. I, mean, I mean, you get frustrated when. You know, President Trump w- loses the popular vote, wins the um, electoral, wins the, wins the electoral right. college. I mean, that's how this. Is, I'm not complaining about that's why the system is set right. up. 
but I'm complaining about the fact that both he and Hillary Clinton received less votes than John McCain did in yes. a lo- in a losing campaign in yes. 2008. Right. Exactly. It's That's like terrible. It's, it, it's like I, okay. I know he. I know President Trump won the way the rules were set up. Right. He won within those rules. Right. But nobody voted. <laughs> right. 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 It's like you've got to be kidding me. Like it, it's another like. He, this is a classic example I always point point to. It's mm-hmm. a historical example. Mm-hmm. When I hear people in Washington say, I don't vote because I, Republicans okay. specifically, I don't vote because I don't think me as a Republican, my vote matters in the state of Washington with, oh, okay. with, with the electoral college. Washington be, state? Washington state. Gotcha. Um, because Washington's going all 11. Right. All, all 11 votes are going to go. All 11 electoral votes are going to go yes. to the Democratic candidate yes. no matter what. Right. Okay. I get that. But- there are a lot of local elections yes. that matter. Yes. That okay, fine. Leave the box empty on the president. Yes. If you, but there are so many other things that directly affect you way more than the president yes. will ever individually affect your life. That's worth voting for. Yes. I, i.e., when um, <laughs> uh, who's Jay Inslee was running against Dino Rossi mm-hmm. for the Republican in the Repu- Republican gubernatorial race. Mm-hmm. Dino Rossi. It was a very close race. Okay. Dino Rossi... Um, no, sorry. It was Rob McKenna. Rob McKenna versus... Um, who was the Attorney General for Washington. Mm-hmm. And he was a Republican and he was running against Jay Inslee. McKenna outperformed in Clark County, Snohomish County, and mm-hmm. King County. Mm-hmm. He got more Republican votes in those counties than projected. Wow. And would have won... Right. If the if there were typically republican east side of the east side of the state had shown up and even it had even been close in projected turnout right they under they underperformed in terms of voter turnout in the east in the east side of the state whose fault is that you're complaining about jay inslee and his taxes and everything that you're oh the the liberal king county and right in the in the liberals in seattle and olympia yeah you had the opportunity if you just showed up to vote right in you would have a Republican governor. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, and I, I've seen that so much. Like, And that's one thing. I, I think I've, I sent you some screenshots of just like individuals being like, well, I don't vote. Well, I don't vote. And literally the day after the election are complaining about different results from the election. Yeah. You don't get to complain. You don't. You haven't earned that. You yeah. have to play. It's you know your, what I mean? It's your civic duty. Even if... Even if you don't like the candidates. Right. And I didn't like the candidates for president in 2016, either of them. But it's your civic duty to vote. Yeah. Because it, it for demo, for democracy to exist, it, it you need to, we have to fulfill our role as the watchers of the watchers. Right. Like it, I, you, otherwise there's, otherwise there's no checks on power right so if, if 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 someone in power somebody who's maybe there are some altruistic people throughout our history yeah. that are going to do the right thing because it's the right thing to do yeah there are a lot more people who have been in power historically yeah. who want power specifically because they want the they want what comes with power and that's right. the ability to control those people the only way to curb their worst influences is to make them scared of re-election right and oh yeah yeah. And their actions are going to are either going to pr- en- enable that or prohibit their ability to become reelected. Yeah. 
it's our job to to as the voters to put that fear in our elected officials right. to act in a way that we see fit. So, what are your thoughts on the argument that of like, I don't I don't want to have to choose between the lesser of two evils, so I'm not going to choose. You have the ability to vote third party. I know. Which I, I don't. I fundamentally don't agree with. Right. But that's your choice if you want to do that. So you're for maybe voting for the lesser of two evils? Yeah. Okay. Well, and I, I, I don't know. It's just uh, I'd rather you mark something than nothing. And and I just think it's laziness. And I said that to somebody I know who was just like, I didn't vote on this particular race because I don't like either of the candidates. It's like, get off Red Dead Redemption and do some research, dude. <laughs> like, And he was like, I did research and I didn't like either of them. And I was like, all right, dude. And then he started quoting like freaking Gandhi and stuff. And I'm like, oh, you're so dumb, dude. Yeah. <laughs> like, be the change you want to see in the world. I'm like, okay, dude, but you're not. All right. Yeah. So that, that I was just wondering because it's frustrating to me to just see people just. I mean, I don't know. Everything everything is not going to be perfect. Like, like we saw even with our analysis of of the gun legislation what i appreciate is that you can you specifically acknowledge the parts of it that you thought were good mm -hmm. but it wasn't perfect but you have people who won't vote or will vote on whether it's perfect or not and that's just not going to be the case there's no perfect candidate because it's always going to be the lesser there are people who voted on that gun bill who i guarantee you don't know the negative or the positive mm -hmm. they just read this quick synopsis and was like oh that sounds good they didn't do any research. Yeah. Um, and I think that's the same thing with candidates. Like, you're not going to get a perfect candidate. So, I mean, I, I don't know. Maybe I'm count. Maybe I'm contradicting myself a little bit because my what I'm thinking, and not necessarily that I believe this, but this is just me thinking out loud. Yeah. Um, but maybe this is a dangerous thing that I'm about to say. I don't want to say it. So. I'm going to try to phrase it, but I think that that's where you're getting at when you were talking earlier about the, the Democrats' reaction to this election. Um, I think that some people get to the point where they want to overcorrect to hope for maybe the minimal correction. Do you get what I'm saying? Yeah, I think 100% that's what a lot of people um, who voted for Trump because they didn't like Hillary. Yes. They wanted a correction from what? Obama was and right. they saw Trump as a complete repudiation of Obama. Yes. Oh, you hear all 100. the time. Yeah. I'm glad he's not a politician. We didn't need a politician. Yeah. <laughs> what? <laughs> I mean a, a guy who knows how to to do the job. He's of a, a businessman. He's a businessman. Yeah. He, he just he just Google the job. Okay. <laughs> but yeah, maybe, I, maybe in 1820. Right. Well, there was no Google then. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but you know what I mean? I'm just I just see that like I just I I am worried about that that attitude of overcorrection because you're not gonna get you're not gonna and this is my argument to you. I hope you don't get offended, but you're not gonna get. I don't know if you're gonna get the perfect gun bill. You see, there there's elements of it that are good, and there's things that really bothered you. Yeah. But I guess what I'm what I'm asking, what I'm proposing in this mm -hmm. conversation is what what do we do just using the hypothetical of the gun bill? Sure. But how do we get that bill? How do we get those representatives? How do we find the people that are going to you're not going to please everybody like we said at the beginning yeah. of this. Yeah. But 
but something like a gun bill, I think that we both agree that there there needs to be something that's done. And maybe this one wasn't it. I mean, it got voted in, so maybe it wasn't. But what I'm saying is maybe that's an overcorrection. To do something because it needs to be done, that's the overcorrection? No. So Or this bill, this 1639 was an overcorrection. There are elements that you believe that were not good. Yes. And there were some that were good. That, that we're not going to agree on a perfect bill. Yeah. So I'm saying maybe this bill, they're just going to try to get anything in to get something in. Yeah, maybe. I yeah. Think I probably, yeah, sure. Yeah. Um, I mean, okay. I mean, <laughs> on, a, on a broad yes, sense. Yes. On a broad sense, yes. Yeah. If we want to look at this specific bill. Well, no, I'm, not uh, ta- I'm not talking uh, about this specific bill, but okay. I mean, just representatives At the macro sense, I, yes. get what you're, yes, okay. I get what you're saying. Okay. And there definitely is a tendency to do that in a, in a, in a system where you're, you're trying to work within the democratic process right. to create what you want as fundamental change. Right. So you're willing to um, go over the top to get what you want. Yes. I yeah. get it. Yeah. yeah. I, I get it. I, I think that's something we... Rational thinking people would try to um, curb that tendency, right? Um, but I would, you would be naive to say that it has no part, ha- has never influenced certain pieces of legislation, right. Or people getting a- voted for sure. And I think that's how you see. Um, maybe that's a one way you could also analyze the rise of democratic socialists getting elected, right? Like Democrat, like right. Ocasio Cortez, right? That I want more. I want more taxation on uh, big businesses. Right. I want um, I want big mis- big businesses to and big banks to have more regulation put on top of them. Right. Therefore, the people who are really saying that mm-hmm. are mm-hmm. also saying these other things, and I might have to live with those other things. But right. I'm going to vote for this person because they're at least saying the things I want to right. hear. Right. No, I get it. Yeah. Um. Sure. Yeah. I don't know. I'm just now thinking like, okay, so we're going to let those other things slide. I don't know. And but then but then you get these ideas of like or these representatives who are saying terrible racist things and it's like we're going to let that go because he's doing what we want in the government well, or she. Yeah, I mean that's that's 100% why um Republicans like Lindsey Graham or Chuck Grassley who said at one point, you know, Obama uh, President Trump is an abomination. Right close quote of what a lot of them what they said right, but he's right. a buffoon he's he's a racist he's a bigot he's, right. he's nothing what the republican party should stand for yeah and now we're in lockstep with him yes because he's given them two supreme court justices right he's given them a tax bill that the republican Ugh. that has been a republican wet dream since the days of newt gingrich <laughs> so uh, it just feels dirty he dude. gives them what they want yeah so they overlook him yeah. they overlook his destroying of, of uh, democratic norms left and right, right. With, with free press with free speech with with the rule of law right they completely will um will defend him they'll right. give him that protection they they insulate him yes and i can't think of anything more dangerous yeah well and that's what i was going to say is like this continuous i don't know historically like if that's just the the trend of just like overcorrecting and then adjusting and overcorrecting and then adjusting. Sure. I mean, you're never going to find a perfect equilibrium in right. economics. You, anytime you think you found equilibrium, equilibrium has already, has already shifted. Right. So right. You're, you're either, you're either too high on the supply side or too yes. high on the demand side and, and you're constantly trying to find that equilibrium. Right. So yeah, I, 
I, that's just the natural way I think right. humans work and how right. society works, especially in a, a society as large as the United States right. and how diverse yes. as, you know, as the yeah. United States. So, yeah, I mean, I get it. I think you tried to hedge the negative effects right. of that overcorrection as much as possible. Yes. And I think there are ways to do that. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, I, I think you've hit on something really, really fascinating. This is a great topic. Yeah. I love this. Um, <laughs> well, that's why I'm worried about, like, like you said in the beginning, like how 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 do how do Democrats interpret this? Because that's where you get into like that's a danger on that level. It's, it gets dangerous as mm-hmm. far as overcorrection and 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 populism and yeah. you know what I mean. What do you got? What do you have to do to win? Right. And I think the more and more you condition voters yep. to want to vote for that heightened rhetoric, mm-hmm. the more and more you start to see that reflected especially in the house which is more which is more representative yes. more representative as the country of a, as a whole right right because of its the design of the house of the representatives mm-hmm. you start to see that's why historically like the senate has been much more moderate uh-huh. because you have you know two yes. two per right. state and generally that kind of has a calming effect on a lot of senators yeah. but you've always seen high amounts of volatility high amounts of passion right. in the house of representatives right. because it's much much more um i think it's much more much more representative of certain sections yes. of our country yeah. um than the, than obviously the senate would right. be right right hmm. but the democrats are i just have this sinking feeling that the Dem- the dems are going to bungle the shit out of the molar probe. Don't say that. Why? Because they're going to look for revenge on the Repo- on on Trump. They're going to bring all sorts of investigations, house investigations on him. Yeah. And I fear maybe yeah. it won't. Yeah. The the Jet fan and the Blazer fan and yeah. the, the Oriole fan and <laughs> me. I've exactly been conditioned. What I'm hearing right now. I've been conditioned <laughs> to think that might that I wouldn't even say the Democrats are my team. Right, but right. The, <laughs> they right. happen to be the side I'm putting my chips in. Right, because I feel like they're the, our last hope of, me, right. of bringing some sort of semblance of normalcy back to our political system. Right. Um. The. What am I? Uh, the investigation. The investigation. Yeah. And I think that what that's going to do is in the mind, it's it's going to even in the minds of moderates and uh, maybe even Democrats. Yeah. And because um, the people, the, the the trumpets are so conditioned, like, they're not going to anything you bring against Trump that's not going to matter to them. Because right. I just say it's I don't care what he did conspiracy. to get to there. Well, it's conspiracy. But or even if even if without a shadow of a doubt they're able to prove to those people, yeah. they'll still say, well, it was a necessary evil to to defeat Hillary Clinton. Right. Right. They don't care. They literally don't care. Yeah. Whether he's guilty or not. Right. But to the people who care if he's guilty or not, which yeah. is probably still 75% of the nation. Yeah. It's going to, I fear that all of these subsequent house investigations before Mueller is able to conclude his investigation, yeah. whether, no matter what he finds, right. I think what it's going to do is it's going to make it from a rule of law, take it from a rule of law mm-hmm. narrative mm-hmm. to a partisan narrative. That this is Democrats yeah. versus Republicans. This is right. Democrats searching for revenge. This is um, this, this doesn't have anything to do with the rule of law. This is it's the same thing with the Kavanaugh hearings, right. right? This this went from it went from a rule of law narrative to and it was spun by the Republicans as saying this is the Democrats trying to get revenge on Trump because right. this is, Kavanaugh's a Trump guy, right? And I feel I fear the same thing is going to happen and it's going to degrade the legitimacy in the minds of Americans of the Mueller probe. I think that anything that the House does is going to be spun as a revenge on Trump thing. They need Mueller. Once th- 
And what if Mueller gets fired? Yeah, well, then then that's when the, I think what the House should do is try to do as much as they can to insulate Mueller until he's his his until he's done. Yeah, but I wouldn't really announce any of your own independent. I if it was me, if I was a Democratic strategist and yeah. I was sitting in the House and I was it was part of the Democratic committee and I would be like, let's not let's have some investigations worked up that way we can we can get started on them, right. get the ball rolling when need be. But I would I would do our best to try to uphold rule of law. Right. And insulate the Mueller probe as best as we can from uh-huh. our posi- our minority position of power in the House. Right. For um, but um, in only invest investigate uh, ethic way, uh, investigate and try to put um pressure on those who Trump would have to use to fire Mueller. Uh huh. From doing so. Right. Put the fear of God in them that subpoenas <laughs> would be brought against those people for conflict of interest, right? Um, for doing for firing Mueller, right? Because right, Trump right. Trump is going to have to use the the Attorney General to fire Mueller. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I I just instead of in I I just keep getting back to my my point is like, right. Don't I just don't be so quick to go after him. I think right. it, it'll hurt you in the long run. I think so too. I think play the long game, long con. That's what he did. Get him back with his own game. Yeah, you know, Take don't stoop time. to it. Don't stoop to his level. Right, he's gonna win the dirty. He's gonna win dirty. Right. Anytime a Republican, anytime the Republican ca- candidates in the primary tried to name call and do labels, right, it killed them. Right, it kills them in that game. Yeah. Oh yeah, and and I think that if you know, let him play the game that he's playing, the dirty game, and if you play it by the book, I think that that speaks more. To the system that we're in, mm-hmm. to the laws that we have, to everything that's set up. If you do it by the book and you don't do it just to get revenge, I think it reinforces everything that we've established yeah. historically. Well, it, and it changes the norm to how power is transferred. Right. When, if you take over your government, historically, you look at c- coups, when a coup has taken over the government, yeah, it's generally then re- the coup that... That that government that was put in place by a coup, yeah, is overthrown by a coup. Always, always. So, so if you take <laughs> if you take power by the means of dirty politics, right, you're probably going to be overthrown by dirty politics. dirty politics. So the right. only way to break that cycle is to try to win straight up. Right. Well, I mean, so yeah, I don't know, but I I, I think that yeah, I agree. We should they should play by the book and just be patient because mm-hmm. there's no way there's nothing on him. There's no way there's nothing. Yeah. There's no way there's nothing. <laughs> I know. You there's, already, there's already been so many indictments brought against <laughs> his like his closest confidants. And they're just like, you look at the way the FBI or CIA has gone, FBI specifically has gone off after the mob mm-hmm. or any like mafia type group. They always go from the bottom up and they always get the next guy to squeal on the next guy. And from this investigation, constantly from the bottom Everyone is flipped. Everybody is taking deals. There's something. They wouldn't be going... Mueller wouldn't be doing that unless he had an idea yeah, of something. For sure. The problem is that the um, the mob bosses don't have the power of pardoning. Right. Right. For sure. But well. I do like, though, that several of the high-ranking Republicans in the Senate yeah. have said that they will not, um, they will not even entertain the appointment of an attorney general uh-huh. who doesn't um who doesn't specifically uh back the sanctity of the, of the in in the 
uh, of the Mueller probe. Really? So hopefully Ooh. they stick to their guns on that. I like that. Yeah, that's one thing I said to you, I think, privately. I don't know if I've said it on here, but if there if there are charges brought against this administration and Donald Trump and they're, the evidence is just overwhelming and you can see that he's breaking the law or has broken the law or played dirty to, to, to get things done that are illegal, I just don't understand how you can stand by somebody who does that. If it was a Democrat doing dirty things, shady things, illegal things, illegal things, yeah, that person should not be the president. And you have people just like again. I think it falls under that. Well, he's doing what needs to get done. I don't. I, is that the excuse that's going to be made? I just. I and I've I've told I've told you that I've told Trump supporters that like, dude, if he is found guilty for things, you can't support that. And they don't ever really answer. Or respond. It's 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 a zero sum mindset that yeah, has just yeah. really taken over the minds of our electorate. Yeah. Um. I mean, people call it a team sport, but yes. it really is like you can't, you can't, you can't concede anything because then you're you're viewed as supporting the opponent, right? If you concede even a little bit, right? Um, so, yeah, I don't know. I think there has to be in order for the for order for a majority of Republican lawmakers to turn on Trump. There's going to have to be a um, a self interest. Yeah, yeah, and that's going to be. Do they feel that they would be, you like pretty much vote completely voted their their political lives would be over? They would become pariahs if they if if they tried to insulate him, right? And if they don't feel like that is going to happen, right? They'll continue. I I believe a lot of them will continue to Uh, to to back him and insulate him. Yeah. Well, and just an analogy I was thinking about real quick about team sports is like just to bring it to basketball whenever I can. Um, you know, you do have different teams, but you're all playing in the same league. Yeah. You know what I mean? And you always see when an NBA player, NFL player, I don't know if that works the same in the NFL, but I know NBA, so mm-hmm. I'll talk NBA. But when a guy gets hurt and injured and he goes down, everybody kind of gets together and, like, you know, reaches out to that individual, tells them they're praying for him. It becomes... A larger team, the NBA, the league team. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I think that if we could get to that mindset as a country, we'd be way better off. You may disagree. You may be trying to beat the other team, but overall, your your goals are trying to to sustain a country. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's difficult when both sides are painting the other side Yeah. as the enemy to the people. Right. Well, Ugh. the Democrats aren't really calling Republicans right. enemies right. to the people. But... Um, I mean, when you have Hillary Clinton calling Trump supporters deplorables. Yeah. Um, yeah, that was. Uh, or I mean, what was the classic Obama line? They're all bitter, uh, bitter, they're bitter clingers to God's guns and religion, or something. I like don't know. That. What does your T-shirt say? <laughs> <laughs> I didn't say. No, that was like. I know. I'm joking. Yeah, he that said you something about he said, said like people in Pennsylvania or Virginia are like are just bitterly clinging to their gods and their guns. Uh huh. Um, yeah, I don't know it. There's it's it's hard and it's almost like people don't even just uh, and uh, just an, another anecdote that yeah. kind of I think that just builds on this is that people didn't want when I would have conversations about two different bills was yeah. it I sixteen thirty nine and then also initiative nine forty which was the um, the de escalation bill with the with cops right gotcha 
there was a lot of misinformation about uh, we talked about ICC. Mm-hmm. There, mm-hmm. there was a, there was a lot of misinformation about a particular part of the first aid provision uh-huh. of I nine forty. Right, and you know, ten minutes of reading through that bill in the section, just finding the section of mm-hmm. of what they're talking about disproves what they were saying but then when you point that out they didn't want to hear it yeah it's like they wanted it to be true right you think you would be yes ha- you think yes. you would be happy to know that what you thought was like this apocalyptic right like provision of this bill that would just ruin your life right wasn't actually true so right. even if it did pass you didn't have you don't at least don't have to worry about yep. that yeah they weren't happy to hear that yeah they wanted it because that that reinforced uh-huh. i don't know if it was a fear of if you said okay well that's not part of the bill. Therefore, yeah. you're going to be seen by your peers as yeah, supporting the that? bill. Or if it's you... I don't know what it is. I don't know. I, I don't know. It's weird, but 100% you see that. Like, you can, you, you can lay it out and be like, actually, dude, <laughs> you actually won the golden ticket. No, I don't want it. It's weird. <laughs> it's yeah. so weird. Um, I was thinking, I was just thinking about this. I think I heard Trump say that if... Uh, the Democrats proposed a tax plan, a tax cut, mm-hmm. that he would he'd take a look at it and let's go forward with that. What do you think of that? I cool. Yeah, if we can find if I just thought it was interesting. Why he's still president? Yeah, it's it's, it's you, just something I've are, never heard you, him say. Yeah, <laughs> you're. I mean, I think that's all. It's a trap, right? I, it, it might be a trap. I Who feel knows? like it is too. <laughs> like, it's he, a trap because he even said he even said that. In his in his just bizarre press conference. Did you watch it? Just dude, it was bizarre. I told you, dude. It was just. Oh I my texted God. you and I, I was just, like, uh, "What is happening?" It's it was insane. <laughs> it was absolutely insane. He was he he was incoherent. Yep. Just ranting. Yeah, he was insulting. Wasted. Yeah, it was rough, dude. But he even said, like, if you think I'm not going to blame the Democrats for everything, like you're. He said that. Yeah. He said, oh. he's like, he's like, I have no reason to not blame the Democrats. What? He's like, he's like, why would I not? I mean, why wouldn't he? <laughs> yeah. I mean, if you think about it, he, he can say like, well, reason why I haven't gotten any of my stuff passed is because right. the Democrats have been obstructionist. Right. He's been using the Democrats as, as, as the, as the obstructionist excuse when he couldn't get his own shit passed through a Republican majority in both right. chambers. Right. And people in his supporters believed it. Yeah. Now there's actual tangible, you can actually see there's, there's Democrats in the house. Yeah. So it's almost like, really, did the did the Democrats taking control of the House in the long run actually do the damage yeah. to this president that we we're hoping hoping for? I don't know. Who knows? We'll find out in twenty twenty. <laughs> but um, stay tuned for twenty twenty. Yeah. So yeah, I it it's it was a it was a crazy election. Yeah. Um, it'd be interesting to see who the Democrats put up as a speaker. Yeah, that's the third most powerful person. Yeah. In our government. Yep. So, we'll see. Yeah, Nancy. I mean, it could be Nancy. I yeah. hope they go with somebody younger. Yeah, more energetic. Yeah, that's all I keep hearing about is Pelosi. I mean, she's the face of the Democratic right, Party, right. and unfortunately, that's the face that the Republicans that Republican voters love to taunt. Oh, they hate her. <laughs> they hate her. Dude. I know. I, I hear so much crap about her from everyone I know that's Trumpsters. Yeah. Yeah. We'll see. We shall see. I think there's some really good candidates that are very young. I mean, I guess it is something to be said that to have a, a majority, because you can have a majority leader who's not the Speaker of the House. Right. They're two different titles. Like okay. when, like when, 
uh, yeah, Eric, yeah, when, yeah. when John Boehner was Speaker of the House, uh, Eric, uh, Eric Kanner um, was the House Majority Leader. Okay. So she could still maintain the House. She could still be the House Majority Leader, but not right. the Speaker. Right. Because I think she would be much better just logistically yeah. because she knows the ins and outs and she's a savvy veteran, yeah. savvy pol- politician. Mm-hmm. She knows how to, um, you know, wade through the the Potomac fever, um, but she, I think with, I think you just need someone who's going to be ultimately the face of your opposition to Trump. Right. It can't be Nancy Pelosi. This is an optics. Yeah, I think there's been so much like disdain just built towards her that to put her, it's like it's it it will come off as like they're just trying to stick it to Trump. You yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Because like she she's been hated since she was the speaker under the Bush years, right? Right. So mm, we'll see. I don't know. The, I mean, this is a, over a decade of hatred from yeah. majority of Republican voters towards Nancy Pelosi. Well, I just think op- I just don't know optically how well that plays right. for your opposition message. Right. When if she is, and that, that's unfortunate because I'm sure yes. she's probably a nice person right. and she's capable. She's a nice lady. She is a nice lady. <laughs> Maybe I don't know. I don't yeah. know her. But oh, you know Sarah Palin. That was a different time in my life. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, not a nice lady. Yeah, we'll see. Yeah. All right. Do you have anything else? I think it's it. All right. Well, as always, Jake, thanks for joining. Of course. Me at my house. I'm glad and, you were able to tough and, through it with your man cold. This. Yeah, I do have a man cold. Yeah. Dude, they're real. I'd become such a pussy when I'm sick. Yeah, I just don't want to move, but I will always record a podcast. And I'm thank you for coming over and being willing to risk it for the no, biscuit. No, it, we had to get it done. We have to get it out for the listeners on That's Thursday. Right. So today, today, tonight, tonight. So we hope you're listening. <laughs> All right, guys. Um, and and, and uh, just please, I need people to come be my guests, our guests, our guests. Be. For the yeah. Christian, yes. for the Christmas yeah. episode. Yes. So I'll be in contact with some of you. Yeah, if you guys want to come on and you haven't been on and you want to hang out and chat, we do have people still that we got to get on here. But um, I know. Sorry, Allie, if you're listening. <laughs> yeah, but if you guys are interested, let us know and uh, give us a topic. Yeah, that you want to talk about, and that help that will help us find a week that we'll be able to get you on right i like that if you have something you want to talk about we're not going to bring you on our show and force you to talk about what we want to talk about let's talk about the history of national security policy yeah and you have no idea what you're talking about exactly bring something to us we'll do some research you'll come with your knowledge and we'll just hang out and talk um and it'll be fun so just let us know um so big announcement big announcement big announcement totally forgot dude i'll uh I'll let you uh, take the floor. All right. So we, um, several months ago now, we were approached by KXRW Vancouver, which is a local radio station that is an affiliate of a Portland radio station um, that airs on 99.9 FM. There's a AM station that I haven't listened to, but they have it. There's a, the X-Ray app, which is a national syndicate that they're, they're all, it's all one big in court, like one big, like conglomerate. And um, they reached out to us and they loved our podcast. 
And Jeff and I have been working on a show doing, I, I, we went to several classes, getting kind of affiliated with this, with this platform. And we've developed a show and it's called uh, To the Republic. And we're both really, really excited about it. Uh, our first episode on, uh, will air on the radio on November 14th. We're not quite sure of the time, so we'll, we'll keep you updated on that. Mm -hmm. But we're really ha happy to bring this to you. Hope you guys listen. If you guys like, um, say what you mean. This is going to be a little more structured. Right. Uh, not quite as free-flowing as say what you mean, which is a lot of fun. This is um, fun in its own way. Right. A little more structured. Uh, the first episode is looking at immigration, U.S. immigration specifically, um, looking, at the, um, looking at the history, uh, inclusion and exclusion, and then also um, taking a look at kind of where immigration is heading, but also what is the process of if you were an individual trying to come into the United States. So we kind of break, break all of that, that down. Hopefully you guys enjoy that. Uh, if you have any questions on how to access that, if you can't listen live on the radio, it will be on the X-Ray FM app. And we can give you instructions on how to download that if you need so need to. We can probably put that on our social media. Yeah, for when sure. the time when the time comes. Um, do you have anything to, to add? Jeff? Yeah, I just want to say. I mean, if it comes to it and we're able to, we still need to figure out the logistics. But if we're able to um, post those episodes on our uh, mediums for uh, with say what you mean mm -hmm. as a say what you mean episode, but it'll I have a different image and I have a, it'll be titled differently, but it'll still be under the iTunes, Stitcher, and SoundCloud yep. for say what you mean. If we're still allowed, I mean, we're going to talk to the representative about also releasing it on this platform um so if you want to listen live it'll be on the radio and through the radio app if we don't get permission to bring it here but if we can bring it here um we will definitely do so and you can listen to it on say what you means uh feed yep also real quick i just wanted to read over our kind of mission statement for the for the show oh, for yes. to the yep. republic mm -hmm. so jake and i kind of came up uh with a mission statement for to the republic and our goals for the show it's it's more it's more of a structured educational show a historical look um, mm -hmm. we want to take an analytical look at the historical background for our institutions and policies that have shaped the United States um, and we started with immigration like J Jake said but it's just a uh, it's more of a civic show uh, provide a way for others and listeners to learn about different institutions and different different history that Jake and I are interested in and want to explore more um, but yeah, check it out. I think it. I think it's fun. Um, at the end of this episode, I'll actually play the intro for "To the Republic," so you guys uh, can bring chills to me. Jake loves it. I love it. <laughs> it's so good. Jeff Jeff killed it with this intro. Um, and and it's uh, I fused my love for podcasts and music, so it's Splash Attack with uh, with uh, politicians. So you guys will check it out. You'll enjoy it. Let me know what you think. Yeah. Um, that's it. I think that's it. All right, guys. Check us out on social media, Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. Um, stay tuned for To The Republic. And next week, what's the date next Thursday? That would be the 15th. All right. Next week, I will be bringing birthday gifts for Jake. So you guys get to hear Jake open his birthday gifts live on the air. What? Ah! All right, guys. Uh, I'll talk to you guys next week. Yep. Yep. All right. Bye, guys. Yep. Bye. I speak tonight for the dignity of man and the destiny of democracy. May the turbulence of our age yield to the true time of peace when men and nations shall share a life that honors the dignity of each.
the brotherhood of all. I see a world of open borders, open trade, and most importantly, open mind. Open mind.